I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is September 7th, 2023. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not, and join us for a post-game wrap-up at rubinreport.locals.com. And actually, after we do a couple stories today, uh, COVID, it's back, baby. Well, it's as back as you want it to be. If you want it to be back, it's back. If you don't want it to be back, it's not back. That's on you. A uh, couple stories today, and then we will be doing a Locals Community Q&A. Uh, questions are all over the map this week, and if you want to get a question in on the fly, uh, if you join us on Locals, you can do that right now. Uh, but, you know, yesterday I was talking about sort of the media, the way the media confuses everybody on every topic, and how this certain set of people, as I just said in that recap there, they, they follow the crumbs. No matter how many times at the end of the trail, they realize, oh, this was a mistake, this was wrong, this was a lie, they lied us into this war, they lied us into wearing masks, they lied us into getting injected, they lied to us about the election, whatever it might be. A certain set of people keep following that trail. And I think what we've got to do is keep converting the people who are on the trail going, oh, uh, something ain't right here, what are we gonna do about that? Uh, so we're going to be talking about some of the uh, mainstream media coverage of the COVID resurgence because Whoopi Goldberg has COVID and she did not go to the studio at The View, but she did send in a video. Uh, and then we're going to also cover, the, I mean, The View, you know, I had DeSantis on yesterday. We're going to cover a couple of uh, the main points that DeSantis and I hit uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, but The View also gave some of their presidential analysis. And these ladies, they should be doing, if it was The View from the Nuthouse, then it would make more sense. You know what I mean? It's like I always used to say about Brian Stelter on, un, on reliable sources. If they would have just called it unreliable sources, now you got a show. And if they called it The View from the Nuthouse, now you got a show. Anyway, we're going to cover The View, COVID, presidential analysis, and then I want to recap a bit of my interview uh, with DeSantis, which seems to be catching fire on Twitter right now. And... Did the guy lie? Did the guy say anything that was untrue? Did he lay out a vision? Did he make fun of anybody? Did he call anybody names? Like there is a way out of this. We're just gonna decide collectively if we actually want out or we want more. We will decide. All right, let's talk about Birch Gold and then we'll get to it. Guys, uh, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. And here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. And as BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. And you know what they're buying? You guessed it. Follow their lead, guys. Visit birchgold.com Dave for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and happy and thousands of happy customers. Uh, Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Visit birchgold.com Dave. Take action today. All right, here we go, people, because yes, COVID is back if you want it to be back in your life. People do occasionally get sick, 
and before COVID, you'd get the sniffles, take a day off, and go back. But now we quarantine, we lock ourselves up, we inject ourselves with stuff, we put messages on Twitter saying we're so happy that we're vaccinated even though we're sick, etc., etc. So anyway, Whoopi's got the the COVID. She uh, sent in a pre-recorded message to the ladies of The View. But anyway, um, she sent in a little video for us. Oh! Here she is. Hey, in spite of everything you've heard, and let me just make sure you all know that it's actually me. See, it's me. Uh, I am not a burning man. I am not still in Italy. I am not, you know, doing stuff. I'm not trying to change the outcome of the election. I just, I have COVID. <laughs> I just have COVID. I'm still testing positive, apparently. Uh, I have to have a clear test before I can come back, so it might be uh, a couple of days. But, you know, I'm really thrilled to see the beautiful new desk. I'm really thrilled to see all the beautiful women. You girls look great. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get back and hang out. But in, until then, it's me and my mask. And I'm sort of confined <laughs> to my room. I've never been sent to my room like this in my, in my, at this age. But I've been confined to my room. But I just wanted to say hi and let everybody know that uh, I'll be there as soon as I can. And uh, I'm sending you all great love and can't wait to get back to our favorite place, The View. Goldberg, as we know, likes electric heated toilets. The chance yes. of her being a burning man is silly. Whoopee on the toilet is not something I needed to know about this morning. Uh, there's so much here. First off, uh, we Googled it. Whoopee's worth a cool 60 mil. That's at least what the internet's telling us. What, what room is she in there, right? Like, she looks like she's staying at a hostel. That's number one. But okay, Whoopee, that's just fine. The absurdity of the mask. She's sitting alone in a room, supposedly in her house. She's touching the mask. First off, she's alone in the room. Why would you be wearing a mask if you're alone in a room? Masks don't work. We also know that. Then she takes the mask down. She's touching the mask first. Then she takes the mask down to talk to the... Like, it's all so stupid. It's such ridiculous theater. And again, you might go, Dave, I know it's ridiculous theater. But these brainwashed NPCs, non-playable characters, we must save them. That is the mission of the good, sane people, the few of us, the rebels that are left. We must. Someone's watching that. Oh, poor Whoopi. She's wearing a mask up in her room and she's so sad. And da, 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 da. But okay, fine, COVID, that, all that other stuff. And as you know, Dr. Jill Biden, who is a doctor of sorts, of sorts. Uh, she also has COVID. Despite her having COVID, Joe Biden's been wandering around the White House without a mask, even though they said he would mask and follow CDC guidelines. Okay, you get all the BS on that. Let's continue with the view. Uh, because then they started talking about California, the presidential race, and oh God, here we, we are back. It's September. We're back. Go. 
But the question is, who would you put in there if Biden decides to get out of the race for some whatever reason he comes up with? Well, I don't think he's going to get out. I, well, I would like, hope. But don't answer like a Republican. Okay, they okay. Ask okay. I don't think he's going to. It's not going to happen. But I would hope that the Democrat, <laughs> the Democratic Party, would uh, rally around the Vice President Kamala Harris yeah. the way they rallied around Joe Biden. Um, but if not, I think Gavin Newsom is uh, he's he's California's responsible for one of the largest economies in our country, if not the yeah, but largest California's economy. California's in trouble all the time with a lot of homeless and a lot of problems. But they, they have, have a lot of good programs when it comes to climate change. They have great yes. they have great programs in terms of job opportunity. They're doing uh, they have great programs in terms of housing. They're addressing right. that issue. And I don't think you'd leave I, the Gavin. Uh, there is so much there. My pen almost broke in the middle of that. Okay, so first off, uh, I want to give Joy Behar credit. I try to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Sonny says, Gavin Newsom, California, it's great. He should be president, basically, right? Because like, somehow Kamala is not going to end up president. Like, I, it's just not going to happen. The country will not rally around her. The Democrats will not rally around her. The only way they rally around her is if they realize she is just full on 100% hermetically sealed puppet, right? Like that's the only way. No one is handing the nuclear codes to this woman. It's already hilarious or scary as F that, uh, that Joe's got him in the first place. But putting aside Kamala for a sec, when, when Sonny says Gavin Newsom, Joy has like a moment of sanity that California does have problems, economic problems, and it has homeless problems. Well, I can't, I can't believe it. Should we send Joy something? We should send Joy a bottle of something. Whatever she's drinking, it's, I feel like she's a white wine spritzer lady. Uh, she actually addresses that, and then, and then Sonny, what does she say? Well, Gavin Newsom's responsible for one of the largest economies, which he has tanked. California basically has the highest taxes in the country. It's always fighting with New York on who's going to have higher taxes. Uh, basically, the most regulation in the country. So small businesses don't want to start there because you have to pay all of this money to get your licenses. To if you want to build a home, you have all of these other regulations. There's all of this extra stuff that makes you, as a person who wants to be functional and productive, it makes your life basically a living hell to accomplish anything. So, okay, they have a big economy because California was the American dream. Gavin Newsom has been a large part of destroying that. Thus, for three straight years now, for the first time ever, California, as you guys know, has had a net loss of population. I've got four of the people in this room right now who all moved to the free state of Florida. Then she also says that California has great policies related to climate, which is just such a absolute, farce at every level, putting aside that the entire climate conversation is complete nonsense. The earth is going to be okay, guys. It really is. The idea that California or Gavin Newsom, that they are doing anything to save the environment. You know, when we lived in California, we lived in LA, and occasionally it would rain fire. Once or twice a year, it would literally rain fire and there would be massive fires burning all over the place. Why didn't Gavin Newsom stop those fires? Why doesn't Gavin Newsom stop the, the earthquakes? I mean, it's just such BS. And the idea that even if you 100% believed in man-made climate change, that Gavin Newsom could fix it. My God, just incredible. But it continues because uh, the ladies, they, not, they weren't all fully satisfied with the Gavin Newsom answer. So there must be someone better in the party than Gavin Newsom. I think him, I still think Pete Buttigieg is really great. Whenever I've seen him speak. Would the country put a gay president in the in That's the my, that's that my is concern. I don't care. He's the best one. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's really great. Just, just a homo I know, it's a, yeah. it's a homophobic.
Incredible analysis by the blonde there. Nobody knows her name. Does anyone know her name? I and mean, we play clips of The View every day. Nobody knows her name. Literally nobody knows. Um, doesn't even matter. But he's just great. I hear him talk and he's just great. First off, the gay thing is nobody cares. Literally nobody cares anymore. He's married to a dude. Big deal. If he was a great transportation secretary, let's say our infrastructure was just being rebuilt at an incredible rate right now, when things like the, the horrific disaster in East Palestine happen, that the government got in there and cleaned up real quick, or whatever's still going on in Maui as we speak, the disaster over there from the fire, it's like if the government was functional and this guy was in charge of a lot of things and doing it well, then maybe there would be a case to, uh, maybe there would be a case to be made. But basically what she's saying is he's gay. He's gay and I like him when he speaks. That's not, that does not make you, you know what, Connor, you know what they did? They put her name on the screen for me. I'm not even gonna read it. Now I know what her name is. Okay, that's just fine. Nobody needs to know her name. Somehow she's like a completely erasable character on that ridiculous program. I'm not even gonna say it. It does not matter. Anyway, the point is, Biden is not running the show and it's just a matter of how long can they string him along. Nobody believes in Kamala Harris. Gavin Newsom is an evil lizard person. Pete is gay. Are there better options? Are there better options? Well, I actually think there are. So now let's talk about obviously the guy that I think is the best option. And I think he made quite a case for it uh, on this program yesterday. I had Governor DeSantis on. Uh, we were supposed to do it here in person in uh, Miami. Of course, we had uh, Hurricane Idalia yes, uh, last week in Florida, got him stuck up in Tallahassee. The hurricane actually hit Tallahassee quite intensely, but it hit mostly the West Coast and then Northern Florida. So they, they had to cancel the trip, but they did give us the time on Skype. And I tried to do the interview a little bit differently with him uh, because I didn't think it would behoove either one of us just to talk about how great Florida is and all the stuff that you guys know and I know and everything else. I wanted to talk about the strategy of the campaign. I wanted to talk about how you get MAGA supporters and how you go after Trump properly and, and all of those things. And I'm glad to see that the reaction has uh, been so effective. So we're just gonna play three clips from that. And of course you can watch the, the full thing on Rumble and Locals and YouTube right now. Uh, here's part one, or here's the first portion. Uh, when I asked him, and I think maybe this was the most important question. How do you get the MAGA base? One way or another, whether, whether Trump drops out, stays in, is in jail, is indicted, blah, blah, blah. How do you convince that base that you're actually the guy? Well, nobody in, in the United States, in the Republican Party, has delivered more on America First policies and principles than me. Uh, if you look at immigration, illegal immigration, uh, we've banned sanctuary cities, we've cracked down on human smuggling, we even sent illegal aliens to beautiful Martha's Vineyard. Uh, and so we've put our money where our mouth is. You talk about things like China, we've banned the purchase of land by the CCP and its affiliates in our state. We got rid of things like Confucius Institutes and we cracked down on their influence of universities. Uh, you look at what we've done for expand Second Amendment rights with constitutional carry. Look at what we've done to fight uh, against the woke agenda, whether it's fighting Disney involving education or fighting this ESG movement, which is really bad uh, for our economy and for American families, the way they're going after domestic energy production. You wanna talk about draining the swamp? Uh, there's one guy in this entire country that's ever taken action against Soros-backed prosecutors, and that's me. And we've removed two of them from office uh, in the last year, year and a half, who were not following the law 
and were putting their political agenda over public safety. I cleared out the election supervisors in South Florida when I became governor. We've banned Zuckerbucks, we've banned ballot harvesting, we have universal voter ID, and we even have an election crimes task force, uh, police force in state government, which, which prosecutes uh, voter fraud. So we have the best election integrity in the entire country. So I think in terms of delivering on these things, Nobody's delivered more than I have, and everything I promised the voters I, I would do, I've delivered on and exceeded those promises. And so you got a guy like me going in there. You know, you'll have two terms of somebody uh, that that the people in Washington do not want to see up there. The corporate press does not want to see me up there, and the Democrats don't want to see me up there because they realize I don't just say this stuff in a campaign season. When I tell you I'm going to do something, I follow through and I do it. Look, I, I know that many of you watching this show prefer Trump over DeSantis. Many of you watching this show prefer DeSantis over Trump. I have no doubt that some of you prefer Vivek. I have no doubt that some of you prefer Nikki, et cetera, et cetera. I have no doubt that some of you are Democrats. Some of you are not going to vote. Some of you don't live in this country. It's all good. What I want to point out there is that I gave him the chance to talk to the Trump people specifically, that base that we're always told, that unmovable base. Uh, he did not mock them nor belittle them or anything else, but he just laid out. I just started bulleting it out myself as he was as he was doing this, right? Just listen to what he just said off the top of his head and tell me if the, are there any lies here? Are there are there any untruths? Are there any unconfusions? Immigration, sanctuary cities, China, Second Amendment, fighting the woke, Disney, education, ESG, firing Soros DAs, voter ID, does what he promises. You'll get two terms of it, and he is the guy that the corporate press and the Dems fear the most. Every single word of that was true. Does that matter to you? You have to decide that. You have to decide that. Who can accomplish the things that you believe in, that you want government to do? I know you don't want government to do that much, but who's the guy that you think can accomplish it? Who's the guy that you think can bring in new voters, bring in those disaffected liberals I'm always talking about, create a new coalition? I'll let you decide that. Uh, we did talk a bit more about Trump, and I asked DeSantis if he thought Trump should attend the next debate. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he owes it to the to the public to debate. I think the the idea that he's entitled to be nominated is absurd. I think that there's a lot of questions that he needs to answer, uh, both about how he would win the election, uh, but also about some of the decisions that he made as president. You pointed out the Fauci, and then there are others. Uh, so I think he should do it. He probably won't do it. Uh, and that's fine. I'm going to be there regardless. I do think you're going to see a smaller stage because I think some of those folks aren't going to qualify uh, for this next round. And look, my thing is, is, you know, it's far be it for me to tell anyone who to run or not run, but uh, you either have a path or you don't. And if you don't have a path, then we should focus on the candidates, you know, that, that, have, a, that have a conceivable shot at this. Um, I will say, though, being on that stage, I think one of the reasons why, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily the target as much as people thought is I have a record of success. Uh, I've done the things that people are talking about that we need to do for this country in Florida across the board. And so I'm armed with the ability to say that I've done it and also to point out, you know, whatever shortcomings would be from somebody that's lobbing a grenade my way. So I'm prepared to do however it shakes out. But if it's just me and I get something, I want to look into the camera and tell people my vision of how to reverse this country's decline, beat Biden and get us on a better path. And, and I think we all know we need to do that. Uh, I'm the one guy that has a record of showing how it can be done with how we've transformed Florida.
you guys know how I always say the thing about how when you're listening to someone tell the truth, it's just kind of easy to listen to. Like you can sit back, you can breathe, you can relax. It's obvious. And, and all of that was true. I want to make two points on this. Uh, you know, this line about how he would win, meaning Trump has to explain how he would win. This is a major, major point. If Trump believes, and he does, he keeps repeatedly saying it, that the last election was stolen. Well, you might say, I'm the guy who's going to drain the swamp and I'm the guy who they stole the election from. And you can say all of that stuff. You can rile up that base and all of that and you can convince everyone the election was stolen. And I'm, I don't even have to offer an opinion on that. But if that is your argument, then the second piece of your argument has to be, and here's how I will stop them from doing it again. But as far as I know, Trump has done literally nothing on that. So if you, if you absolutely love Trump, and again, the country was better under him, if he is the nominee, I'm going to vote for him. I don't think he's profoundly evil. I don't have TDS. I've basically broken bread with the guy. I, all of that stuff that you know. But if he can't lay out, oh, that, they stole it from me last time. I'm just going to do it all over again the exact same way. If he can't explain how that won't happen again, uh, that's a bit of a flaw. So you really need to think about that. And then I want to address one other thing about debating specifically, because DeSantis is saying, yeah, he should debate. He probably won't. You know, at the, uh, at the first debate in Milwaukee, when we did our post-game show with Glenn Greenwald and Michael Malice and Jordan Peterson, Jordan said something that I think really hit the nail on the head. He said, in a healthy democracy, Donald Trump and Joe Biden would both be debating. Now, I see a lot of Trump people right now going, well, look at these national polls and he's up by 50 points and he can only lose. There's no win in it for him, so he shouldn't have to. Now that at a purely tactical strategic level, if you only think that all of this is a game and it's only about like winning in the most sort of uh, narrow sense of the word, then I suppose Trump should not debate, right? Because I guess, yes, he could get on that debate stage and DeSantis would go right at him. And Nikki would probably go right at him and Pence might go right at him. Vivek won't because he's, he's sort of his pet at the moment, but he might take some fire. But the point is in a truly healthy democracy, as Jordan said, we would be debating ideas in a better way, right? Trump wouldn't be afraid of defending his record saying, here are the, a few mistakes that I made. You know, he still won't admit he really made, made any mistakes around COVID. And Joe Biden would be willing to debate, say RFK Jr. or someone else who might be on the Democrat side of things. Again, I get that strategically, if you only care about winning in that sense, then, then it isn't the best way. But if we were really a serious country, if we were really a group of mature people willing to defend our ideas, willing to lay out a vision and all of those things, and, and I don't really think that's what Trump is anymore. Uh, he was great as the insurgent, but I, I don't think he has fully thought through what's going on here. And I think DeSantis sees that. And my, and my hope is over the next couple of months, more and more people We'll see that. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. Well, you fight for what you believe in. I want to address one other thing in that interview because, you know, a lot of people, especially the Trump base, have not been happy with DeSantis because uh, a few months back when Tucker was still on Fox, uh, Tucker asked for a statement from all of the, the candidates. This was before DeSantis had even announced, but from all of the potential candidates on the Republican side for a statement on their position on Ukraine. DeSantis gave a fairly strong statement that sounded very isolationist. And then it seems to be, or at least the media narrative on it is that he's walked it back a bit. So I asked him that exact question. 
I was asked after that whether I thought Putin was a good guy, and I said, of course not. But that doesn't mean that we should be writing a blank check uh, with no uh, concept of what our interests are or what the victory is. Uh, so we've been pretty consistent, actually, on all this. Uh, we need to end this war. No blank check. Europe needs to step up. Uh, and anything we do should be in America's national interest. You don't subcontract out your national interest uh, to other countries. And I don't think it's been in our interest to be sending money to pay pensions for Ukrainian uh, bureaucrats and salaries for Ukrainian bureaucrats. So what I would do as president, I would use the leverage that we have available to us uh, to bring the conflict to an end in a way that this isn't going to continue to be an issue. All right. I think that was clean and clear. We could, the three sentences, end this war. No blank check. Everything should be in America's interest. Simple, clean, blah, blah, blah. Now you can have a million follow-up questions on that, which you should have for all of the candidates. How are you going to do it? How quickly are you going to do it? What if Russia incurs, you know, has more of an incursion into Ukraine? We can discuss all of that, but I think that was clean and clear. And hopefully that satisfies a little bit of some of the, let's say, confusion that, that, perhaps the base was having around that. I know it will not satisfy everybody, is what it is, but I would really welcome all of you to uh, watch the full interview. It's 22 minutes. If you're on the fence about this thing, if you're not sure, uh, if you think that somehow, because, because Trump has unfortunately lied so much about this guy, if you think he's Soros-backed, even though as he pointed out, he's fired two Soros DAs, if you think he's in it with Paul Ryan and whatever, it's like, Watch the interview and tell me what you think. See if there was anything that you think is an outright lie. I'll gladly, gladly address it. Uh, and uh, we shall go from there. And also on Twitter, we have a whole bunch of the clips up if you want to grab them real quick. Uh, let's get to the community Q&A. But real quick, I want to talk to you about Gravity Defier Shoes. Guys, how much is it worth to not feel pain with every step you take? From walking the dog to running the kids from school to practice, it takes a toll. Well, you need to check out Gravity Defier Shoes. Whether you're wearing them on the job or to get your daily step count up, these Gravity Defier shoes are revolutionary. Walking and running in normal shoes creates shockwaves that course through your feet, knees, and hips, forcing the body to absorb as much as a thousand pounds of harmful impact with every step. Gravity Defier shoes are clinically shown to relieve knee pain. In a double-blind study by Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system put into a shoe. I'm using them when I'm doing cardio. And as you know, I have a torn ACL in my left knee. So here's the deal, guys. Try a pair for 60 days and experience the difference they can make in your life. Buy a pair today and save 15% with free returns and easy exchanges. You'll have nothing to lose. Visit gravitydefire.com. Use code Ruben for 15% off your first order. Test a pair risk-free and experience the difference in your life. Gravitydefire.com. Gravitydefire.com. Code Ruben. And now back to me. All right, let's get to it. A RubenReport.locals dot com community Q&A. Janine says, hey, did you get a chance to speak with Larry Elder at the debate? It sounded like the RNC was going out of their way to exclude him so wrong. So, you know, one of my great disappointments that day, and it happened almost immediately. So think about it. We got into Milwaukee on August 22nd, the night before. Now, remember, I still knew nothing about the debate. I didn't know who was in, who was out. I didn't know if Trump was going to be there. I'm going through the airport, people are saying hi to me, I'm making sure I don't find out any information, right? All of that, we get then in the morning to the site, uh, where, you know, to the venue, 
where the debate is, and Rumble had their studio outside. We're out there, and it's early in the day. This is, we got there, I don't know. Oh, well, we did our comeback show at 11 a.m. Eastern, which was 10 a.m. Eastern, because they're in uh, Central Time. But at about 9 a.m., we're out there, and I'm, I'm uh, up in the Rumble thing, and on the other side of the fence, I see a bunch of cameras and people, and there's Larry Elder. So at first, I was kind of, I was sort of like, ah, oh, damn, this sucks, because it was as if I found out, I thought I found out that Larry Elder was in the debate, because I see Larry Elder, he's in Milwaukee, he must be in the debate. So I think he's in the debate, it wasn't until a bit later, about an hour later, where I found out that he was not allowed in the debate. Uh, he is suing the RNC right now. He is arguing that he qualified, meaning he had the 40,000 donors who at least put in, individual donors who at least put in a dollar. And then I think it's the way they did it was there was like a net aggregate of the uh, polls that qualified that he was at the 1%. Anyway, it was very disappointing that it didn't happen uh, I did bump into Larry the next day in the hotel and we chatted about it for a bit. And look, Larry, Larry, I don't think Larry believed he was going to become president, but Larry on that stage communicating the ideas, you know, Vivek is repeating a lot of Larry's stuff about parenting and the black community and all of that kind of stuff in a two parent household and the, the lies about systemic racism. Tim Scott is hitting some of it. The things that Larry has been talking about and Thomas Sowell before him, they're bubbling up and that that's a great credit to Larry, right? And he deserves credit for it and I'll certainly always credit him for it and I'll also always credit him for having that incredible moment with me, you know, eight years ago and, and causing my wake up to so much of this stuff. So I, I love the guy, he'll always be in the game. Uh, you know, I don't think anything will really come out of the lawsuit. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because one debate where he could have just got up there and done it, he, he deserves that cred. Uh, Friends of Dave, I like that name, says, I want your opinion on a new approach for, the DeSantis, for DeSantis with his campaign. He needs to lean into his value as a data nerd and not as an entertainer with over 20 years of experience. This is how he decided to open the state during COVID. Thoughts? Right. So he, he went to the data. He brought in Ladipo, our Surgeon General here. He talked to people like Jay Bhattacharya. I've had on the show many times. He brought in people like Brett Weinstein. Um, that is where he shines. He shines, I think, when the media is going after him. He shines when there's a, a hurricane, which again, Idala comes last week and basically the entire media machine and Trump too, despite Trump living in Florida, would have gladly taken, would have gladly had it uh, been a bigger hit on Florida if it would have damaged DeSantis. But nobody could even figure out how to hit DeSantis on this, because once again, just like Hurricane Ian, which was just about a year uh, ago, which was basically a category five, um, DeSantis basically did everything right. Uh, so your question basically is, you know, uh, on one hand, you know, he's trying to be an entertainer, so, you know, he's smiling a little bit more, blah, blah, as opposed to just being the data nerd and the guy who is just doing the stuff. Look, I think we got a good blend of that yesterday. I really do. I think we got a good blend of it yesterday. As I keep saying to people, be patient, it's early, the first votes will not be cast until January. Uh, but yes, I think always leaning into your strengths is a good thing. And that's also why I asked him, and you should watch the full interview if you haven't. It's like, will you go on The View? Will you do more of those combative interviews? Because I think that's where people will see, boy, he really can stand up for himself, not just explain it on an on a obviously relatively friendly interview with, with say me or Megyn Kelly, but go into the belly of the beast and fight those things. He knows the data, he knows the numbers. Even the fact, when I just rifled off those bullet points that he listed, 
when he was giving me that answer on how he's gonna get the Trump base. I mean, he basically listed out like 15 things right off the top of his head. These are the things I've done. And as I said to you guys a moment ago, did he lie about any of this stuff? No, it's all real. That's the case that needs to be made. Uh, Kathy says, as you go off the grid year after year, does it get easier or harder? Easier, definitely. Like, without question, it has gotten way easier over the years. You know, the, the first year was just very, very weird because of this idea of, like, putting my phone in a safe and not watching any TV and freaking out and every now and again going into my pocket. Like, that was very weird. Couple of years of that, you know, we've we're, we're blessed. We've taken unbelievable trips to Bora Bora and to to Mexican rainforests and all over the place, and you know, really figured out ways to disconnect. Um, I would say three years ago, the first year of COVID is when it really got easy because we were sort of locked at home anyway. We didn't go anywhere, but it was just kind of easy to just kind of lay in the pool and and catch up on some reading and not do much. Uh, last year was also a bit easier because Justin was born. So that just kind of like upended our entire life and there was no time to even think about what was going on in the world. Uh, and then this year was this year was kind of easy because life has settled in and it's good and I know how to do this thing now. And God bless these guys that are in this room with me. Like we were rebuilding the studio the entire time. Uh, and like I knew everything was gonna work. One of the great things that I have is I've built out a team here where nothing falls through the cracks. I don't have to worry someone's not going to show up one day, that the operation is going to continue even if I'm not involved on the day-to-day -day basis. So it, is, it has gotten way easier. And I, I really recommend you guys try it, even if you just try it for a weekend. Like 99.9% .9 of you that are watching this, when is the last time you did not have your phone on a weekend? Literally, forget a 48 hours, 24 hours. When's the last time you tried it? It is worth it, guys. Uh, Larry says, I know everyone is interested in politi politics <clears throat> and to a lesser extent culture, but what about tying in the whole UFO situation? This issue has finally arrived at Congress and no one is paying any attention. You know, I don't know what to make of this freaking thing. I think that there are so many like tricks in the shell game of the way the media and the political establishment treat us right now that on any given day, they're like, oh, the aliens are here. We found non-human biologics in a thing. And it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? Non-human biologics. What, did a cat enter a spaceship and that crashed? Like, what are we talking about? And I think we're so like, for me, and I love, you guys know, I love sci-fi, I love space, I love all, I love aliens, all that stuff. Um, like, I'll be pretty happy the daily aliens arrive, you know? Um, I just, to me, unless we have like, you gotta give me some freaking concrete proof. I, I want Independence Day, the bunker somewhere in Nevada, Will Smith and the president, and I wanna talk to this alien, and then I'll start talking about it a bit more. For now, I just think it's a confusion. I, I, and it's sort of what COVID is in a way. It's just a confusion from what's really important right now. And what's really important? Government overreach. What's really important? Government censorship, big tech censorship. What's really important? How about ending this Ukraine war, right? What's really important? How about making sure we know basic truths like boys are not girls, et cetera, et cetera. So I like sort of like on this side of my brain of just like what's out there and like cool stuff that I like thinking about. Of course, I love thinking about aliens and all the sci-fi stuff and spaceships and Star Wars about but I think it's a distraction at the moment. Uh, Enkeletis says, hey Dave, I was wondering if you had any friendly tips for starting a podcast. I'm doing it with a couple of friends. How do you keep your audience entertained and wanting to come back for more? Well, first off, 
Uh, congratulations on starting the podcast. As of yesterday, I am told that there are more podcasts than people on planet Earth, so that will be the challenge. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I started about 11 years ago. I was kind of early in on all of this uh, before politics also became our national sport. So I was able to build something in a time when, when there was sort of a need for it to be built. And then I think we've been able to take it in new directions and innovate all along the way. Uh, I would say, look, the only piece of advice that I can give you is just say what you think. Just say what you think. It's almost the same piece of advice I would give you if you just asked me for the general piece of, uh, piece of advice related to life. Say what you think. Don't hide what you think. Think about what you think. Like, don't just say shit for the purposes of saying it, but like, really, why do you think this thing? Why are you saying it? Why are you the person that should be saying it? Does this match up with how your life is? It won't always. But like really, if you work through all of that stuff and you start putting it out there, whether it's on Rumble or YouTube or Locals or anywhere else, people will start finding it. The other just sort of like more granular piece of advice is don't worry about the numbers. You cannot worry about the numbers. Like you might put out five podcasts and nobody watches but your mom. You'll get one view on each one. But you know what? On podcast six, you might suddenly go, boy, 247 views on this thing. That's kind of interesting. What were we talking about that suddenly we got a few more views? And then you go, oh, wow, we got a thousand uh, listens on this one. And then you start realizing, oh, there's something happening. You get kind of in the algorithmic game and it is an algorithmic game, whether you like it or not. Uh, as I often tell you guys, why do we put content up in August? It's not really because I want to. It's because if we shut the channels down in August completely, we will be so far kicked out of the algorithm that we will basically spend three months catching up. So September, for the last couple of years, we lose a crazy amount of money. It's, it's I view it as sort of a, 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 a sunken cost, I suppose. We will lose a certain amount of money because, because we put up less content in August and we're just catching up to get back into the algorithm. The algorithm is just this wave, it's, or not this wave, it's just this like crazy stream that's going. And if you're not feeding that stream all the time, the tributaries dry up. So you gotta keep feeding it so that you get back in. That's one thing at a time. Just say what you think, then we'll go from there. Uh, Florida Man Chuck says, regardless of who the Republican nominee is, how do you think, or how long do you think it would take for any of the presidential policies to actually start taking the weight off Americans? I'm concerned that the last four years of damage has been so severe that it will take 10 years or more to undo. That's a great question. Look, I think things can actually happen pretty quickly. You know, when Biden took over, well, you know what, I don't even wanna do that because it was so confusing because of COVID and everything else. Let's, let's kind, of, kind of do it in a blank slate. When, a, generally speaking, if you get a competent president who is exuding confidence, who has a track record, and let's say believes in capitalism, let's just do this at the economic level, and Trump absolutely had this. Why were the markets until COVID doing incredibly well under Trump? Well, he got rid of a little regulation for sure. Uh, he got rid of, some, or he added some tax breaks for sure. And then what happens is the machine itself starts loosening up, right? Banks are like, oh, well, there's less regulation. Tax rates are going down. People are spending a little bit more money. We can lend a little bit more money. Interest rates go down. Inflation goes down. So you can do a lot just by being someone that is thought of as friendly, Purely at an economic level, you can do a lot right at the beginning. And I actually think whether, well, I can't say if it was Trump, if this would happen because the machine is so out of whack. I think for sure, if it was DeSantis on day one and people knew what his track record is, look at our flourishing economy here in Florida with no state income tax. I think the economy would start turning around. I also think you could do things very, very quickly 
uh, in terms of foreign policy. And this is absolutely a credit to Trump, right? Everybody said all of these Middle East peace deals, they were never gonna happen. Trump was able to do them in just you know a short few years. Like you can turn things around pretty quickly. But I also think you're right to the extent that you need years to do a lot of stuff and you need stuff also, you can't just do something that can just be reversed. That's the problem of doing everything by the pen, right? We do everything by executive order and then the next guy comes in and he does it by executive order and then we just rinse and repeat. Uh, that's a great argument also for DeSantis. You want someone who can be president for eight years. So you could have four years of really just smashing the system, draining the swamp, changing a lot of stuff, and then four years of really codifying that into the system, solidifying that. So there you go. Amy says, did you have a first birthday celebration for Justin and did he get his own smash cake? Yes, so for those of you who don't know, the smash cake is when you let a kid you put the cake in front of the kid, the kid doesn't know what to do, and the kid just beats the hell out of the cake, smashes it in the face everywhere. So first off, we have two pictures here. That is the smash cake that we made, and you might be looking at that cake going, that is a wild, that is a weird, wild cake. Uh, my sister-in-law, Kaylin, who's also our set designer here, uh, and, has, and has done the very artwork behind me, uh, she made that cake. It was 100% healthy, no sugar added. It's made out of like yogurt, and coconut oil and like all of this stuff that is 100% good for kids. And she added, like even the color in that is not, that's not blue dye. It's, I think it's made from pea powder that you can somehow make blue, like crazy. It, is. it was totally healthy. And we'll show you one picture. You know, I don't show pictures of the kids uh, on the show or on social media, but yes, that is Justin smashing his cake. And I assume that's Luke's foot. Uh, yes, and he smashed the hell out of it, smashes it on his face, all, I mean, it was a freaking mess. Clyde ate most of the cake, uh, but yes, it was it was totally fun. And the fact that this kid is one already and uh, Luke will be one in just a couple of weeks, it's, uh, it, time goes freaking fast. That is one thing that has changed. You know, I, life has been good for me, especially these last couple of years and, and Florida has been great and everything else and we're building stuff and I'm, I'm doing stuff that I love. So life kind of moves fast. But I can tell you, having these kids, like it has accelerated the speed. Life feels like it's flying by with so fast, it's wild. Chad says, what was your favorite part about being off the grid this year? Uh, well, as I told you, we were, we were in the Mexican rainforest. <laughs> we did nothing. We did nothing. We ate, we ate healthy, like I, for the month of August, and, I, and we weren't there for the entire month, but for the month of August, we ate right. I worked out every single day. When we were there, we were in the spa. I worked out for an hour and a half a day. Or we worked out for an hour and a half a day. And then we did the sauna, steam, and cold plunge. Have you guys done this cold plunge thing? We were going back and forth between the sauna, steam, and cold plunge for about an hour every day, 10 straight days of that. Uh, then just laying out in the, in the rainforest, laying in the beach. As I said yesterday, just kind of purging some of the information from my brain. But I, I ate right, I exercised right. I was around some friends and some family. Like I, I had a just an incredible month being around the kids, seeing the kids when we came back. Uh, it was the whole package this year. It really was. Uh, and again, as I said, when we came back, you know, I, I thank you guys for that, especially those of you on locals. Like you allow me to do these things and the exchanges. I will fight <laughs> to the best of my ability uh, for the right principles to keep this country in order. John says, what's your opinion on using AI generated images to deceive voters? bad, 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 and dangerous as hell. And guess what? It's gonna be happening more and more and more. Uh, look, AI is, it is, in some ways, it is the final frontier of reality as we know it. You know, for those of you that are a certain age watching this show, if you're a Gen Xer like me, 
you know, you're, you're basically part of the last generation that knew the world before the internet, right? I remember I was a sophomore in college. The first time I saw the internet on a computer where it had a color, a color screen and a picture, right? So for the, my freshman year of college and maybe in high school, I had an email address. I didn't know what email was. It was a random set of numbers. I didn't know who to send it to. I don't think I ever used it, but I had this thing called an email address. I remember sophomore year of college, Brock, you'll appreciate this one. Sophomore year of college, I hear some kids screaming down the hallway. He's like, I'm on the internet. I'm on the internet. And a whole bunch of us run in, this is at the dorm. We run into his room and I, I will not forget this. On his computer, it had a Yankees logo and a Royals logo. And it said Yankees three, Royals two. And it was on the internet and he was freaking out. And I remember thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, why wouldn't I just watch ESPN later to find this out? The point is, I'm not that old. I'm 47. That was 1995, 1996. Like, the world is changing so freaking fast. And now when you add in AI, the idea that the algorithms, the machines can come up with creativity, it is crazy that they can write scripts. They can, they can come up with art. I mean, the art, the AI art that I've seen, some of it's incredible. Like, you can put in some of these AI algorithms, you could just put in some words. So some things you like, okay, I like baseball, I like coffee, I like Dave Rubin. It will come up with coffee, baseball, Dave Rubin art. And it's pretty freaking good, but that is scary. What does that say about the human experience related to art? Like the machines, at what point did the machines not need us, right? And that's why I always reference the matrix. When the machines, we then become the problem for the machine. Or you could watch, um, you could watch almost any sci-fi movie of all time. Uh, when the machines turn on in Terminator 2, right? You could watch iRobot when they just don't need us anymore. Yeah. Dave says, did you go on vacation with David? If so, how was it? So Dave is asking Dave a question about Dave's vacation with David. That's a good one. Yes, I, I think we referenced that one already uh, and it was quite spectacular. Uh, Mitchell says, any thoughts on how you slash we can support Jordan Peterson during his stay... <laughs> during his stay at hotel re-education. So we referenced this the other day. I, I talked about it with Jordan in Milwaukee, and we'll, we'll have Jordan on to discuss this a bit more. But uh, long story short, you want to get me a line on this to get, so I can get the specifics right? Basically, Jordan, who was a, a, uh, he was a professor at uh, University of Toronto, and he was also a practicing clinician of psychology. He had a, he had a full-on psychology practice in Canada. The, the governing board in Canada is trying to remove his license and they literally want him to go to a re-education camp in essence. Uh, I'm getting some info here from the New York Post. Controversial Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson has launched a legal challenge against the College of Psychologists of Ontario after he said the governing body threatened to pull his practicing license if he doesn't complete social media re-education for comments he made on Twitter and the Joe Rogan podcast. So they are literally trying to take his license away. Now, he doesn't have a practice anymore, meaning he does, he's not seeing patients anymore, but he worked very hard as an undergrad and a grad student and then as, as a clinician to have that license. Uh, and they have no right to take that away. And he does have a, a human right, I believe, to free speech. It is not protected by the First Amendment in Canada because they don't have the First Amendment. Uh, they have different laws related to speech, but it's, it's an absolute farce and, and ridiculous fiasco. And, uh, and I would say they don't know who they've messed with because Jordan is the top lobster and he ain't gonna take it. Uh, hey Dave, this is from Ben. He says, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I love the prequels, 
OT, Clone Wars, and Rebels. I overall have a negative view on Disney Star Wars content, despite them occasionally putting out stuff that I enjoy, uh, season one of Mandalorian and the second anthology movies. Have you watched any of the Ahsoka yet, uh, the Ahsoka series? If so, would you recommend it, or would my time be better spent watching MASH reruns? Uh, I have not watched Ahsoka. I do not have Disney+. Plus. I'm guessing you've watched Ahsoka. You, you like Brock likes the Ahsoka. Brock does not care about giving money to Disney. Sure, he takes money from Dave Rubin, and then he gives it to Disney. We're gonna have to have a sit down later. You, you don't watch any of this trouble. Phoenix does not watch this stuff. Connor, you don't watch it either. You don't, he watches the baseball. Uh, yeah, I have heard decent things about Ahsoka, but in my estimation at this point, you guys know this, Disney has so mucked it up. I don't wanna support Disney as a corporation anyway. Um, my hope would be that one day, if for some crazy reason, George Lucas's, I will get back in for one year, that he just buys the franchise back at a discount because Disney's stock is depressed and everything else, and they've so mucked it up and fixes the whole thing. So I have no doubt, I trust Brock. Like, I'm guessing Ahsoka's probably pretty good. I just can't deal with it. Like, I didn't watch Kenobi. I did watch one or two clips of, of Vader on Kenobi on YouTube. Like, I just don't wanna support this thing anymore. I think it's deeply dangerous. Literally, I mean this, it is dangerous for, for two or three giant corporations to own all of our stories. The Disney should not own Star Wars and the Marvel Universe. Not because there's anything wrong with that at a business level, it becomes at a spiritual level, like corporations and, and middle management people and people that are, are part of the machine, dreams should subvert the machine. And that's what Star Wars was about. That's, that's George Lucas's legacy of Star Wars, fighting the studios to make Star Wars. They wouldn't give him enough money and he negotiated the rights for all the little toys, which they were like, no one's, no boys are gonna play with little toys because at that time in the late 70s, it was only girls that played with dolls. And he had the foresight to go, no, no, we're gonna make action figures, right? There was, there was basically G.I. Joe 20 years before that, the big ass G.I. Joes, but that was it. And he said, no, I'll take the licensing on this. And then he turned that into billions of dollars because he was fighting the system the entire way, which is in many ways what the essence of Star Wars, the story is about. Then it gets owned by Disney. I think you get the point. I'll fight you naked. That's an interesting name. Says Dave, if Trump wins, the low IQ people riot and they trash everything. If they cheat enough for Newsom to win, the right protests and gets called terrorists for complaining. Is there any possibility of an outcome where things don't get worse? <sighs> How does it not get worse? How does it not get worse? Well, look, I can give you the one that you're already probably thinking. DeSantis winning. Obviously everyone on the right's happy. Does the left go bananas no matter what? When the left loses anything, they lose a Supreme Court decision, they lose whatever legal battle they're fighting, they lose an election, do they go bananas with everything? Are they just waiting to unleash the next BLM and the next Antifa? Of course they are, and how do you know that? Well, we've had Biden for a couple of years and suddenly Antifa disappeared and suddenly Black Lives Matter disappeared. Are we to believe that all the issues that Antifa cared about, whatever they were, or whatever it is that BLM cared about, did any of that get resolved? No. So, that, so those are the foot soldiers for the Democrat party, right? So yes, I believe that to some extent, if a, if a Republican becomes president, you're gonna get some degree of violence. But what I think, what I think you would get with DeSantis is you would get you would get moral clarity. You, I think you would get legal and political clarity and that would help, it wouldn't stop all of it, but it would, it, would, it would take a little of the energy away from the craziness. 
Um, I do think you're right too, and this is one of the things where Trump is really playing with fire. If you keep saying that the election was stolen, well, you're basically saying they're going to, in essence, what he's saying is not that they just did they steal that one, but they're going to steal this one from me. So everyone, if you look at the base people, the hardcore base people, they already think the next election was stolen. By the way, I don't think that's completely out of the, like that's not like a completely insane thought in that these are nonsensical indictments, right? I'm not saying Trump didn't do anything wrong, but we know they're only going after him because he's running for president, right? If he would have just, and that's the, the really twisted part of this. If Trump just would have went off into the sunset and supported DeSantis, DeSantis would be winning, virtually every Republican would be voting for him. Half of the, uh, the Democrats who are on the fence would have already moved over. Trump would be the kingmaker. We could have such freaking unity right now, except for the wacky wokesters, but Trump's not going in that direction. But the point is, yes, if you've already said to the people, they stole the election last time from me, they're in essence stealing it this time, will the right then be out on the streets again? And will that cause, it, it's a big mess, it's a big mess. And I just would say uh, the best place you can live when it's a big mess is not in a blue city because those are the places that it's gonna go crazy. Uh, Julian says, love the new studio. What inspired you to design it this way? You know, there, well, first off, I appreciate that. And I'm really thrilled that, that so many people are digging it. I, I love it. I, I just think it's so beautiful. We wanted, there were all sorts of things that we wanted. We wanted different textures. So, you know, we got some wood and we got, you know, these oak slats here and we got these black slats here and we got the marble here. And I was involved in every, every single step of this from putting the stuff on the shelves to going to the store and picking out the exact marble that we used. One of the things that's the coolest part of this, I mentioned this the other day, but it's worth repeating. So these marble slabs that you're seeing here, these are two by four each and they're completely random. So meaning you go to the store and they don't put them out. You don't buy them as if they're a giant mosaic. Uh, Kaylin, who did this and who's also the painter of this piece and designed the whole set, she hand painted the, on top of these so that it appears all to be one piece. I mean, she's just unbelievably talented. Um, we also, by the way, in case you're noticing this right now, uh, we did dim the lights on the uh, shelves over here. A few of you people, a few of you people have mentioned that we should dim that. So we did that a little bit. Um, I, I just wanted something that, that felt brighter and more alive. Oh, and I should mention it's kaylinrosejanet.com, which I mentioned yesterday. If you want a print of this or some of the other artwork that's in my house, uh, and this is a print, by the way, that's not the original. So if you want to print just like that, uh, you can get that Kaylin, C-A-Y-L-I-N, rosejanet.com. Uh, but I'm really thrilled with this. And, I, and really more than anything else, I can't wait till you guys uh, see the rest of the studio. We're, we're just finishing a little portion over here. We're going to do, there's the side angle that I'm loving that side angle. How you doing over there? How you doing? Um, we're going to do live in-studio guests here. Uh, we have, I think, how many, we'll have four total camera angles eventually, or five even. I think we might even have five at some point. Um, yeah, we're putting in a fifth, Connor, get to it. It's going to be up there right above you. Um, yeah, I'm just psyched about what we're doing here. And I, and I think it's also, it's good for me to be in a new spot. I think it's good for the team. It's good to reinvest in what you're doing. Um, you know, I've never believed, I've said to this to you guys before, I don't believe in growth just for the sake of growth. I never wanted to grow the show just so that we can get a few more viewers so we can get a little more money so we can hire more people, like just for the sake of that. But I feel like what we did here was we invested you know, a good chunk of change to do something that'll inspire me to do better work, these guys to do better work, hopefully more of you to tune in and share it and show people. You know, so many people, it's interesting. I was, I was like the first guy that had the, the, the real home studio, that, that clip with Tucker that I showed you. I was early in on that. You know, everyone has it now because of COVID and everything else. I was one of the first guys to do that, if not the first, probably the first, to have the full on home studio like that. 
Then everyone started doing smaller versions of it and smaller versions, and everyone started doing just the, the screen behind them, which virtually everyone is doing. And that's what we were doing upstairs at my house here. And I was like, I just, I wanna go back to something real and authentic, and, and that's what we're getting here, and I'm glad that you guys are digging it. Uh, Elizabeth says, are we gonna ever get common sense or innovative solutions to problems, or is it really all about control and profit so nothing will ever be solved in the most intelligent and efficient way? What step can be taken to increase efficiency in government? Well, I would say to the last portion of that, we get innovation and efficiency in a lot of things that have nothing to do with government, which is why you should want less regulation. I have no doubt that you do, and you would want lower taxes and all the things. You want the government basically out of the way so the individual human can exchange ideas and goods and services with another individual human and build great things. Build great railroads, build great tech companies, build whatever it might be, build infrastructure and everything else, right? That's what you really want. I don't have great hope for the federal government. Again, I do think if there was a chance at a political level it can be fixed, I think DeSantis is our last best hope. I just don't think Trump can do it, I don't. I think too many people will be afraid to work for him. I think there'll be too many distractions and all of that stuff. I, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just, that's just how I feel and I think there's a lot of ev evidence to bear that out. Um, but I think if you got a government, well look, you don't even have to listen to me. Just look what's happening in the country right now. What are the states that are flourishing where people are moving to and good things are happening? Where there's law and order and there's sound economics and a low amount of homeless people and everything else. It's the red states. There are places that are working. And then just this morning, we're gonna play the clip tomorrow. Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, gave a talk this morning talking about how New York City now, because they became a sanctuary city, is getting 10,000 illegal immigrants a month. So illegal, people who are by definition illegal, thus, thus criminals in that they're breaking the law by being here. New York City said, come on in. Now their homeless shelters are overtaken. They're giving them hotel rooms. The famous Roosevelt Hotel, if I'm not mistaken, is now basically a migrant shelter. It's causing crime. It's causing property values to go down, all of those things. People are fleeing New York City. And he basically said he doesn't see an end to it. The guy should be impeached immediately. He should be impeached for what he's done, but he should also be impeached. I don't know that you can impeach someone for this, but for not giving people hope. He basically said, there's nothing I can do. It's gonna get worse. We'll play the clip for you tomorrow. It's absolutely wild. So you can either live in a place like that or you can find a place that believes in law and order and all the other good things that we talk about all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our Thursday program for today. I have several meetings and other things to take care of. We've got some announcements probably coming next week. Everything's good on this front. Tomorrow, we're back with the panel. We have Alex Stein from The Blaze and making her Ruben Report debut. My friend Isabel Brown will be here. If you want to join us for the post-game show right now, rubenreport.locals.com and the full interview with Governor DeSantis is up on Locals, Rumble, and YouTube. We leave you with the current president, or at least guy pretending to be president, and the former president, who may or may not be a crack-smoking homosexual. Goodbye. <laughs> I spent last summer going through the black sections of my town holding rallies in parks, trying to get black men to understand it's not unmanly to wear a condom. I got tested for AIDS. I know Barack got tested for AIDS. There's no shame in being tested for AIDS.
Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.